0: Today we're going to get back into the Book of Acts series, and uh, this is the fourth in the series uh, called Reenvisioning God's Design for the Church. I think it's an opportunity for us as a church to go back and take a fresh look at the Book of Acts and say, uh, what what did it mean back then? But also, what is God saying to us as a church right now about being a spirit-filled community and uh, living out who God has called us to be? so let's look at acts 2 uh, verse 14 i just want to read this again we're not we're not going to rush through this we're taking our time we're talking about eight marks of a spirit-filled community and i shared the first four last week but acts two fourteen, it says then peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd listen carefully all of you fellow jews and residents of jerusalem make no mistake about this these people are not drunk as some of you are assuming Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And uh, it, it, by the way, this prophecy here that Peter quotes in Joel takes a turn here from what is happening on the day of Pentecost, and then he begins to talk about what's going to happen at the end of the age. As the Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost, that's the beginning of the last days, even though that was 2,000 years ago, that was the beginning of God's final time period unfolding. And uh, at the end of those days uh, comes the time when uh, the Lord returns And uh, he talks about that. He says, I will cause wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The presence of God, and Peter talks here about the spirit of the Lord being poured out. And it's very important that we understand the spirit is poured out on men and women, on the young and on the old. The Spirit had been poured out in the Old Testament, but now what we're seeing here in this New Covenant, in the New Testament, is God's Spirit is not just limited to a small group of prophets, but God's presence is being poured out upon every person, the young, the old, the the, uh, poor, the rich, people of every station of life, and uh, God's power is being poured out. As we study the book of Acts, what we're going to see is that the holy spirit is central to everything that happens in the church the holy spirit is not an impersonal force and this is something that it's a pet peeve of mine often in the evangelical church we talk about the holy spirit as though he's an impersonal force that's star wars theology that's not biblical theology he is god holy spirit a member of the godhead and uh, if you leave Holy Spirit out of the equation, you're actually ignoring part of who God is. This is a really important thing to know. Uh, he is God and He dwells in His church. He lives in us and works in us and through us. Jesus told His apostles that it was better that He go away so that the Holy Spirit could come. John 16, He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away. For if uh, I go not away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. It was the work that Jesus did on the cross. It was is what he did to prepare the way for Holy Spirit to come and fill the church and work in the people of the church. So it's the Holy Spirit that connects us. When we gather uh, on a Sunday morning, when we gather in a small group, when we get together with other Christians, and there's that witness of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's the presence of God living in you, the presence of God living in me that witnesses together. It's the Holy Spirit who connects us. Remember the, a couple weeks ago when I told the story about the two disciples who encountered Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Uh, I love that story because there's, there's so much drama in that story. But it, they said after they discover this man they're talking to is Jesus, didn't our heart burn within us? And our eyes were open. How many times have I had a similar experience where uh, I've gone into a store and all of a sudden I sense the presence of God's Holy Spirit in an augmented way. Uh, I went into our, uh, the cleaners that we go to and there was a new uh, lady working at the cleaners. And uh, the minute I walked in the store, I knew there was something going on there. Uh, I sensed the, the presence of the Lord. She looked at me and she says, have a blessed day. And then I knew she's a believer. It was the Holy Spirit in her, Holy Spirit in me. It's happened to me in hospitals where I've gone into a room and there's a, a nurse or a medical technologist, somebody that's working there. And I just sensed the presence of God. There was one of the hospitals in uh, the Cleveland area and uh, one of the nurses uh, just started sharing the gospel with me. And i said well i'm a believer she said praise god but i knew before she said a word it was the spirit of god in her and the spirit of god working in me it's happened to me in the bank where the the teller that was waiting on me uh, i knew the spirit of god was in him and there was a witness of the spirit and we began to speak and i said you're a believer aren't you So I know a lot of you have had those experiences. That's the power of the way the Holy Spirit connects us. We're not just a group of people that are gathered because we have a common interest. We're not just a group of people like a bowling league that have come together to do things that we like. We're connected by the very living God who created all things and is dwelling in his people. And for me, that's an exciting thing. So this is why the Bible tells us gives us a very clear command in Ephesians 5, 17 through 20. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5:17. let me read this. It says, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our lord jesus christ here paul is telling us how to live he says you need to be filled with the spirit you need to be singing praises you need to be full of the word encouraging things to share uh, with people around you we're commanded to be filled and we must take the initiative let me stop here and say this it's expedient it's more than expedient it's contingent upon every believer we have the responsibility to be full of the Holy Spirit and bring that into the relationships uh, of the people that we fellowship with in the church. We don't just come to get filled from somebody else. We don't just come to get recharged. When we gather together as believers, whether it's a small group or uh, whether it's uh, Sunday morning, the worship celebration, Uh, whatever it is, when we gather together, we need to come full of the Spirit, ready to give of the things that God has given to us. So Paul teaches us to have a heart filled. And uh, if you read that scripture again very carefully, he connects worship and praise with being filled. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, start praising God. Lift up praises to Him. Begin to uh, sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. Uh, the implication here is you can get drunk and you can have too much wine very quickly, but you can never have too much of the Holy Spirit. So it's a key to being a powerful witness of Christ. It's a key to bringing the life of God uh, into the church. The indwelling presence of God is core to all Christian theology. We don't go to a church, we are the church. We're either the church gathered or we're the church deployed, but we are the church wherever we go. God's indwelling presence we are literally living temples the presence of god dwelling in us wherever we go he's at work in us and around us and we need to expect the miraculous daily not your pastor i'm not talking about the great speakers that you hear whether it's on the internet or wherever you hear them every one of us has the ability to be used by god to lay hands on the sick to speak words of encouragement, to speak the things that God has given to us, and to really be an agent of change wherever we go. So we need to expect the miraculous daily. Let His presence in you shift the atmosphere. Now, we started talking last week about eight marks of a spirit-filled people, and uh, the first one was boldness. I pointed out those guys that ran for their life on the night that Jesus was arrested, now are standing boldly and they, they're willing to lay their lives down. You can tell something has changed. Number two, the church received an anointing for the supernatural. Like I just said, all of us are equipped and empowered and filled so that the Holy Spirit can work in us. Number three, the church now has a clear sense of purpose. It's almost like the Holy Spirit released and galvanized this powerful anointing. Uh, in us and in the church. And then uh, the fourth is, and I just lost the fourth. Well, let's go to number five is an indomitable joy in the face of persecution. Number six is a hunger for God's word. And we're going to go through each one of these. Seven is exposure of evil and a deeper conviction of sin. And eight is koinonia, a Holy Spirit connected community. And my apology, I'll, I'll get number four. Our printer is not working today. May it rust in pieces. We had to get a new one, so it's on the way. It'll take a week, but uh, somehow it disappeared on my computer here. So let's pick up on number five. One of the the fifth mark of a spirit-filled person is an indomitable joy even in the face of persecution. We're going to see this as we go throughout the book of Acts, but the first time that we see it is here on the day of Pentecost where The apostles who have been very shy about standing for Jesus now take a stand. Uh, By chapter 3 and chapter 4, persecution begins to break out and they suffer uh, at the hands of the uh, leaders for the first time. The joy that they experience is not based on circumstances, it's not contingent on what's going on in their life, it's based in these disciples understanding their inheritance in God and experiencing the reality of the Holy Spirit in them. Uh, We talked uh, a number of weeks ago about one of the best examples in Acts 16 in Philippi where uh, Paul and Silas are beaten, they're arrested, they're put in prison, and they did what most of us wouldn't do after something like that happened. They began to sing praises, and God's presence just fell, and they were set free. They were actually released out of that prison. So out of Paul's experience, he talks about this in Walking with the Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5.15, he says, See to it that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil." Paul is walking in the ability to be unoffendable, he's walking in joy, he's walking in a heart of celebration, all of this is a result of his experience in the power of the Holy Spirit. His faith, his steadfast praise in the face of suffering, uh, the deliverance that he sees throughout his ministry and salvation for many people, it's all based on that walk uh, in the Holy Spirit. The sixth mark of a Spirit-filled person is a hunger for God's Word. The Holy Spirit makes people hungry to get into the Word because it's the Spirit who gives life to the Word. When we read the Word of God, when we read the Bible, we understand that those words were written by people who were moved by Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moved on their hearts, put those words in them, everything we need to know. When you're reading God's Word, the author lives in you and begins to unfold all the principles of God's Word. That book becomes something that's very alive. It's interesting. It says in Acts 2, they remain steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. There was a a hunger for the Word of God, a hunger for the teaching of the Word. The Holy Spirit will never contradict the Word because the Holy Spirit is the author of the Word. And uh, the word correctly interpreted will never dishonor or quench the Holy Spirit. Those two go together, the word and the spirit. So we see a new depth of understanding in this early church. All of a sudden, the things that Jesus tried to tell them, and they couldn't seem to get it, all of a sudden drop into their heart, and they're living it and proclaiming it in a new way because it's alive to them. Let me tell you why I think that's happening. It's because the author was there to make the word alive in their heart. And that's how it works in God's kingdom. The seventh mark of a Spirit-filled person is once the Spirit of God lives in you, once the Spirit of God moves into the life of a believer and you are filled with God's power, there is a deeper conviction of sin and there is also a revelation of evil. I've had new believers tell me that when they came to Christ, it was like all hell broke loose. And uh, actually, that is a correct theological explanation of what happens in your life when the Spirit of God comes to move in you. Anything that is related to the enemy, spiritual strongholds that you've had in your life, things around you that are animated by Satan will be exposed because of the light and the power of the Holy Spirit in you. The the enemy knows that the Spirit of God is living in believers. I had an experience about five years ago Janice and I were on a vacation in Sedona, Arizona. For those of you that have been there, uh, it's a very uh, interesting place. Uh, There are lots of people that move there because of the spiritual dynamics. And uh, New Age people have told me there's a, a major spiritual vortex there, whatever that means. It's a place where they can experience spiritual things. I walked into a store. And the minute I walked into a store, the lady who owned the store made a beeline for me. I could see her come from the back of the store. And she walked up to me and she said, who are you? She said, who is the spirit who is in you? And I said, well, my name's Joe, and the spirit that's in me is the Holy Spirit. She said, when you walked into my store, the whole atmosphere of the store changed. She said, we're very sensitive to spiritual things here. She said... Tell me about the spirit that operates in you. So we started having a conversation. It turns out that she had been raised in a mainline church. She had been a Christian many years before. She uh, said that she had never experienced God's power. So she got into new age stuff because she wanted to experience spiritual things. Well, I told her that the real thing she needed to experience was the power of God's Holy Spirit by the Lord Jesus Christ. But at the end of our conversation, after 45 minutes, two things happened. Number one, she wanted me to leave her store because the spirit in her was different than the spirit in me. Because when you walk in the Holy Spirit, people that are animated by demonic spirits, things around you in the demonic kingdom, things in the spiritual world will sense what's happening to you. Why do you think Jesus, wherever he went, encountered people that were demonized? The reason he did is because these spirits knew there was power in him, And as he walked into the room they were exposed the same thing will happen to you as you begin to walk more in the power of the spirit i can't tell you how many times this has happened to me Uh, one of my favorite ones uh, was going years ago when i was a campus pastor walking into a coffee shop and it was during a time when there was a massive global meditation thing that had been planned and uh, my friend bob and i sat down and this person came up to us and they said, would you mind leaving? You guys have just messed up the whole spiritual thing that's happening in the coffee shop. People know there's stuff that happens. And I could tell story after story. That's enough as far as that's concerned. But once the spirit of God is at work in his people, demonic activity and darkness will be exposed around you. God also exposes the darkness in our own heart and begins to bring freedom in us. In Acts 19... Uh, And we'll talk about this more when we get to that chapter. Uh, There's an amazing story. Paul had been in Ephesus for two years. He had been working in that city. Ephesus Ephesus was a very spiritual city. And it says in verse 10, This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Siva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? So when people walk in the power of the Spirit, the, the, the kingdom of darkness is aware. Verse 16 says, The man in whom the evil spirit uh, was leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also many who are now believers came, and they confessed and, uh, and divulged their evil practices. A number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. What happened there is because the presence of God had fallen in that city. And if you read Acts 19 and get the whole perspective of the story, the Holy Spirit was at work in the city of Ephesus. There was a spiritual awakening happening in that place. The power of the enemy was unmasked. The spiritual strongholds of that city that had bound the people were exposed. And because of that, there was a deep repentance that God brought among the people. I've seen this happen. I've seen breakthroughs in areas or regions as the Spirit of God begins to move. May the Spirit of God move in us, that in our families, where we work, where we go to school, where we shop, that wherever we go, we'll bring the aroma of Christ. Not everybody is going to be happy. We're there. But I do believe the people that want to know God will become aware and they'll say, I want that presence of the Holy Spirit. This is something that is real. Let me say one thing that is definitely not in my notes, but I think it's important. Because much of the church has ignored this teaching about the power of the Holy Spirit. Many good people have looked for spiritual reality in places other than the Bible. I don't think they're necessarily bad people, but they've had a Christianity that's devoid of the power of God. So they look in other places for spiritual reality, whether it's meditation, Eastern religion, or whatever, and they get themselves in spiritual trouble. We want the pure Holy Spirit. We want to know Him and he doesn't belong to us. When we come to Christ, we belong to him, and the Holy Spirit works in us. One last mark of the uh, Spirit-filled community. Uh, Some of you are familiar with the word koinonia, uh, which literally is translated community, but in biblical context, the word koinonia uh, means more than just a community of people gathered uh, because they have an affinity. This is a community that's connected by the power of God. There are lots of miracles in the Bible. We see people healed. We see people delivered of demonic manifestations and spirits. One of the greatest miracles to me is that all of a sudden in Acts chapter 2, a group of people that weren't related to one another, a group of people that experience this presence of the Holy Spirit are so powerfully impacted that it says by chapter four, they began selling everything they had and giving the money so that they could share with anybody that was in need. And there was nobody among them that was poor. There was this amazing concern and care and love for one another. And uh, let, me, let me say this too, we're, we're bordering on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit go together. You can't separate those two. If you're telling me you're a spirit-filled person and you're a mean and angry person, I really doubt whether it's the Holy Spirit that's working in you. There are lots of religious people out there, and some of the meanest people in the world are religious people. Ask Jesus when you get to heaven what he thinks about that. Because it was the religious people that put Jesus on the cross. I can say this is a recovering religious person. Religion isn't going to get you anywhere. But when you are really filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, something begins to break up in your heart. And the power of God just begins to work in you. There's a love that's released if you cooperate and allow God to do it. And listen, when we come to the Lord, all of us are broken. This work takes the rest of our life. He does this work in us. But I think one of the greatest miracles on the day of Pentecost is there's this instant community. The people knew that not only did they belong to the Holy Spirit, They belonged to one another. It was the beginning of this community. Did they have things to work out? Yeah, they did. Uh, There were problems in food distribution. There were practical problems in the church. Uh, There were divisions that would come and go. People experienced things. But at the end of the day, when the Holy Spirit is working, there's a community that God brings us into that's so powerful. These people showed a love, a practical love, that went beyond family. Uh, How did all of this happen? How did it happen so suddenly? It was supernatural. People that aren't related to one another, loving one another like this, caring for one another like this, this has to be one of the greatest miracles in the entire Word of God. And I think sometimes we overlook that. That's what I want to share with you today. And I just want to say as we uh, gather, I know I, I mentioned it earlier, as we gather in house churches at River of Life, and people have asked me, are we gonna do this uh, all the time, or just during this experience that we're having in the COVID-19 crisis? The Lord has been speaking to us for a long time about gathering together uh, in smaller groups and in house churches. We were just getting ready to launch some of those uh, when this whole crisis happened. So I feel like the Lord is expediting uh, this experiment that we're doing And uh, to be honest with you, we are praying right now. Our leadership team is praying and asking God to speak to us. But we feel like the church has to go beyond a Sunday meeting. And we have to come to a place where there is a connection of heart and we can share life together. As you look at the Word of God, it talks about all the one another's. Love one another. Confess your sins one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. Build one another up. There are over 30 one another's in the Bible. Most of those things can happen sitting in a pew looking at the back of somebody's head. You have to make an intentional effort to be part of that. So we are praying that in the house churches that we are starting, whatever form they take, however they meet in the days to come, that this is going to be a breakthrough, that we can bring the life of Christ to neighborhoods, that we can bring the life of Christ uh, to people that would never have an opportunity to hear the truth and experience the reality of the indwelling Holy Spirit. We don't know all the answers at this point, but would you pray with us? And I just want to lead us in prayer right now. We'll talk more about this when we get into the the end of Acts chapter 2. But Heavenly Father, I pray that you would do a work of transformation in the church. Lord, forgive us when we have made it all about religion. Forgive us when we've made it about theology, when we've made it just about information. Because Lord, if we're not living this out, if we're not letting your Holy Spirit work in us and through us, Lord, we're missing the whole point of what the church was in the book of Acts. Lord, would you help us in this hour? Would you speak to us? Would you lead us? Would you bring us deeper into you? And Lord, I pray not just for River of Life, but I pray for the church in America, the church especially in this region, that there would be a breakthrough, Lord, in us living out the word the way that you intended the word to be lived out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.